and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins. I'm host of this podcast, as usual. If you've not been here before, welcome. If you come every single week and listen to me, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm also the CEO and founder of My Firm of Surveyors NC Real Estate. We specialize in all things asset management, property investment strategy. That really is our jam. That's where we are. That's all the things we do. Um, Come on over to ncrealestate.co.uk to find out more about what I do, who I am, and what services we we offer. This week, it has been a tough week in the property investment sphere. But I think a tough week overall, there has been so much that's hard to stomach on the news, which I too get really upset by and feel a lot of, you know, not really powerless towards it. And for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that at the moment we are looking at a move to Austin and the new abortion ban (laughs) Oh, I can't even describe how horrified I am at it. Like sleepless nights about it. It's horrendous. Um, And I can't put that into good enough words for you. So that's one of the things that I've been reading a lot about this week to make sure that I understand. I'm one of these people who likes to understand things from either side, but I cannot understand how people could put in place something that is so destructive to women. Cannot understand it. So that's really, really burdened me this week. Afghanistan last week, again, the burden coming from that and seeing just how terrifying that is um, has been utterly horrendous utterly horrendous to watch I haven't again got the words for that I've seen a lot of people talking about it on social media who are far more eloquent at that than I am um whatever I can do and however I can help and for those of you who are listening who equally feel like you want to do something the NRLA at the moment the National Landlord Association in the UK has an appeal out for landlords with vacant properties so if that is you go and have a look at the NRLA website and see how you can help I don't want to encourage profiteering off refugees that's not where this is coming from I've just seen a lot of calls for empty housing and yes they do pay but that comes from local councils I at the moment am not going to get into the merits of whether you know, it's right or wrong to be charging a rent for refugees. But as landlords, you've got mortgages to pay. You've got maintenance and upkeep of a building. So if that is you, you've got a vacant property right now, I would go and have a look and see if that would be an avenue for you to go down to rent the space or contact your local council directly. Say that you have a vacant property and from there could you know, would it be beneficial if you let that to uh, local refugees coming into the area? That is something that you can do. In the US, we are looking at what we can do with the spare space in the in the house that we're going to be buying. Um, 
and seeing how we could potentially let part of that out or not even let part of that out. We don't need to let out part of our house. You know, if we can accommodate um, anybody who needs help in this country, we know how hard it is in this country to move forward if you're an immigrant and you're not on a correct visa class so from that point of view we we're going to try and help out in any way we can once we have moved so from that point of view you know we there are many things that you can do to get involved also check with lo- local councils as well um and local charities and see how they're helping and what's really going on there there's loads that you can get involved with if like me you're feeling really stuck and like oh I don't really know what to do next so do go and check that out and then I had been following the case of Geronimo the alpaca for many months and was devastated that that animal was euthanized I cannot tell you how much it hurt my heart to see a terrified animal put through that circus Rightly or wrongly, I don't know. It seems like paper pushing, but at the same time, every single animal human deserves dignity in dying. And I cannot bear to see animals suffering. I mean, that goes back to in um, Afghanistan with, you know, dogs left on the tarmac. So all of this has been pretty heavy. You know, the the news cycle doesn't get any easier. We watched Hurricane Ida go through the whole of the center of the um, US and destroy towns, cities, millions of people without power. The flooding is devastating. Climate change is real. Thank goodness we didn't have anything down here in the Carolinas. But, you know, equally, we could be hit pretty hard with that. We could be pretty hit pretty hard with that wherever our properties are. You know, just these stories don't get easier to swallow. They just become more and more and more. And there's more things that we need to look at. So with that in mind, one of the things I will be looking at over the coming months is how can we as an industry look and take climate change seriously and think about how do we increase the sustainability in our homes? I just, again, I don't have an answer for you today. I don't, but that's something that I pledge to do. What can I do better? And of course, I'll bring you along in the journey with me. So heavy, 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 heavy stuff over here. And um, you're probably feeling the same. And then on top of that, because we're property investors, we have to deal with everything that the property investment industry throws at us. If you've been following me on Instagram and at Natasha C. Collins, I put out a story early last week, not a story, an actual feed post with um, six carousel images. And that has driven me mad this week. I am a surveyor who loves a process and I love to know how things work because then that makes the property investment process straightforward. You know, there's always an element of negotiation. There's always an element of... uh, subjectiveness from either party. I can cope with that. What I can't cope is changing of the rule books. So last Friday, I got the valuation through for the property that I'm buying in Barnstable. 
in this valuation, it said market value was £165,000 with all the things considered. That is the price I'm paying for the property. Tick. All right, we got that through. Tuesday morning, I get an email from Shawbrook, who are the lenders, who said they have decided to lend at a value of £140,000. So I wanted to get to the bottom of why that was. And I spoke to my broker who spoke to Shawbrooks and I, you know, going backwards and forwards trying to figure it out. And it turns out that the underwriter at Shawbrook had determined the value because they felt that the risk of the quality of the upper parts was too high for them to take and that they thought the paintwork was going to cost them £25,000. So I asked where this figure came from. It was just a figure that they plucked from the air. Now, if you didn't know, when you have valuation reports come through for commercial, you get multiple values. You get the 180-day value, you get vacant use value, and you get um, vacant use value with the 180-day marketing period. You might have other values in there as well, depending on your valuer. But essentially, that's what you get. And they will have different values. Market value tends to be the highest. Um, vacant, vacant possession value with the 180-day marketing period is probably the lowest. And so if the value, if the underwriter had picked one of those additional values, I probably wouldn't have been as crazy as I was feeling on Tuesday because the underwriter had ignored the other values. Of course, they couldn't use the other values because it's not vacant. It's got a lease in place for the next four years. So they can't use the you know, it's not going to be vacant for four years. So can't value at vacant use value. And whilst they could value at the 180 day marketing period, there wasn't any need to because there was no evidence that surrounding properties were selling in excess of 180 days. They were actually being taken up within a month or two. So regular marketing periods in 90 days, three months, that's a period of time that a lender would expect you to be on the market. And that's where market value comes from. But no, this underwriter, nah, not listening to the value. I'm going to pluck my own figure. And this is a problem. This is a problem because it makes me think, how can I advise my clients on the value of a property if an underwriter can come along and pluck a figure out of thin air, I was raging. And I know I do lose my temper sometimes, or I like to rant, and I tend to like to rant on this podcast. Mm-mm. I was raging at the lender. I could not understand how this underwriter had decided to be a valuer and ignored the valuation report that I'd had to pay for. There was no point in getting a valuation report. Then they asked for the structural survey and details about the damp in the upper parts. And I got them on the phone with my structural surveyor who'd done a report, sent them the report and then said, roof's fine. The damp's old. All it needs is paint. It's just cosmetic damage. 
He wasn't having it. The underwriter was not having it. Oh, it looks like it's more than that. Yeah, but you're not the expert, are you? You're not the expert. So here I am left with a property that I'm purchasing at 165,000. I've got a red book valuation that says the value is 165,000. I've got a bank that will only lend at 140,000 pounds. And they've then gone to me, we'll go back to the seller and ask to buy 140,000 pounds. Right. So Natasha Collins, tail between her legs because she has got nothing to negotiate with. I'm never normally in a position where I've got nothing to negotiate with. This is probably the first time I've had nothing to negotiate on. I don't have anything to negotiate on. I know as a surveyor, I've got a market valuation at £165,000. Why would the seller drop the price? And also... I have a tenant in that premises who's on a full repairing and insuring lease. So it's their responsibility to paint the upper parts. So I could just do dilapidations once I buy it and they can paint the upper parts. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. You would think that these, you know, now that the underwriter is acting like a valuer, they would also understand commercial leases and the implications of them. Evidently not. So there's Natasha Collins, me going back to the seller's agent my tail between my legs saying, don't by any chance want to negotiate to £140,000. Of course, I got laughed out the room. Of course I did. And I had no leg to stand on. Nothing. It's so embarrassing, actually. Really embarrassing. First time I've been embarrassed on negotiating a deal ever. And it's my own deal. So then I have a problem because I'm essentially £15,000 short because Shawbrook would only now lend me £98,000. Um, I'm going to get my calculator out just because I don't have my figures in front of me. £98,000. £165,000. Less £98,000. £67,000. And I had £52,000 as a deposit. £15,000 short. I'm thinking to myself, what do I do? Then the seller gets antsy. The seller thinks she hasn't got the money. She has not got the money. Tell her to complete, otherwise we're pulling out. So I have to then phone my solicitor and say to my solicitor, I will find the £15,000. I want to buy this deal. It still stacks up in every single way. I'd be stupid not to buy this deal, but I have to go and find that extra £15,000. And she says to me, Natasha, don't worry. We're not at exchange yet. It's not like they can now force exchange. They haven't provided us with X, Y, and Z. And also, Shawbrook are about three to five weeks away from getting their act together and being able to lend. So my solicitor stepped in and said, look, she has the money. We're going to get her out of her current property portfolio. And you guys are going to back down. And then I had to ring around my current lenders and start trying to figure out how much the rest of my property portfolio was worth and could I get any additional money out of there. I could go to investors at the moment for the £15,000, right? But that's hassle if I've got the money myself. Now, if I told you, because all my mortgages are coming to an end at slightly different times later this year, I've taken 
um, just cash flow are going to lend me an overdraft facility to uh, bridge the gap between when this completes and November when all my other remortgages complete. They upped that to £100,000. So now I have the money in an overdraft facility that I can use to complete on this purchase. But, and for those of you listening, you do not want to be on these overdraft facilities for a long time. You want to use your other deals to clear this completely. You do not want to stay on these deals. It's 1.5% a month. So I had to think on my feet and think, okay, what else can I do? So I'm looking at market comparables thinking, have any of my properties significantly gone up in value? I Just because a couple of them I've not checked. I'm literally, comparable evidence, go, Natasha, go, 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 go. Phoning up my lenders and saying, what value do you think this property is at? Because you know, I don't know if you know, but lenders keep track on a yearly basis of where they think values are based upon house price index. And if you ask them, NatWest have theirs online, but um, banks like Santander don't keep their house price index valuations online. So you need to phone them up and see, see where they think the value of that property is. The reason they do it is because every year they have to go through and they have to look at, you know, what's the loan to value? How risky is everything? So they do have an idea of value. Thank goodness it turns out that... Um, both those flats in Bath have gone up more than I think or I thought. So luckily for me, at Remortgage, which we have which we're starting at the moment, all the money will be pulled out of those two flats in Bath. And um, because on flat two, especially, that's now at a 56 loan to 56% loan to value. So there is a lot of equity in there that I didn't even realize that I had. And that's because house prices have jumped this year. So it's a really good time to remortgage. And that is how I'm going to salvage this deal. Why am I telling you this story today? Because I was thinking about what lessons I'd learned from this week. Number one, you always need to try your luck. You know, I could have gone to the seller and they could have been really happy with me and be like, yeah, we'll discount it by a little bit. I didn't think it was going to happen, but you've always got to try your luck. If you don't ask, you don't get. Number two, you always need to be looking at the value of your current property portfolio and seeing if there's any way in which you can maneuver around that money. Really important. Number three, have a solicitor that's not going to give up on you and going to hold the deal for you and give you a little bit of time. And a solicitor who trusts you that when you say you're going to get the money, you are actually going to go and get the money. Number four, I have no idea what lenders are doing right now. Sorry, I don't know. I have no opinion on that whatsoever. I was fuming. Number five, have a good broker as well. Mortgage brokers that are good are vital because they're going to work with you to find the extra money. Now, of course, I have to phone my own lenders and find out what value it is and what my loan to value is, but that's not hard. That's half an hour of my time. Then it's for the broker to work out how they can get hold of that money for you. And without all of that, this deal wouldn't be going through.
It wouldn't. You have to have so much perseverance. And look, if I did not have the money in my equity in my portfolio, do you know what else I did over the last couple of weeks? I hired one of my coaches at MC Real Estate, Steve, to come and help me build investor packs for my commercial portfolio. I have to bring in help because I can't do everything on my own. And so he has been going through my investor packs and helping me write them and make them look beautiful. So if in worst case scenario, I can't get hold of the money throughout anywhere else, I'm going to go and pitch it to as many people as I possibly can. And that's honestly the key to being a property investor. <laughs> it is frustrating. Some weeks you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea where stuff is going to work out, whether it's going to work out. You're constantly trying to get something over the line and then you have to ask for something else. That is what being a property investor is all about. Honestly, that's all I can tell you. Sometimes things go really straightforward. Great, fantastic. That's what I absolutely love. But other times they can fall apart like... And when they fall apart, it's your job to put it back together because nobody else is going to do it for you unless you start running around, shouting for help, get making sure that your team is acting on your behalf and doing the things that you need them to do so that you can hold deals together. Because ultimately, everything with property investment builds on each other. As you're building a portfolio, you're going to be building on these other properties that you've got. You're going to be building on the resources that you've got. You're going to be building on the team that you've got and you need everybody working together. So it's been a week. One of the things I am really lucky for and just really grateful for is the people that I have surrounding myself. You always need backup. You always need support. And if you haven't got that, then you're not going to get very far. So you really do need to be building that team around you as well. So I hope my story this week has, I mean, I hope it's inspired you, but also shown you that it's difficult for all of us. You know, property professional, I've been in the industry for so long now and still these things happen. And hey, it's all right. We'll get through it. You know, it doesn't mean that I wasn't stressed out. It doesn't mean that I wasn't angry. It doesn't mean that I wasn't frustrated. It doesn't mean at some point I felt like I had no idea what was going on in the surveying industry. I was going to hand my certificate back because I thought to myself, well, if things have changed this much, I don't know what's going on. An underwriter being a valuer? Hmm, don't think so. But by the end of the week, it's Friday when I'm recording now, things work out. You have to keep going. You really, really have to keep going. All right. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I hope it's been useful. Um, don't forget, those of you with empty properties, go and speak to your local council. See if if you can help help the refugee situation, if that is something that you want to do. And please persevere. When things get tough, they get tough for all of us. Your job is to just keep going. Sleep on it if you want. As long as no one's died, you've always got 24 hours. Please don't forget to rate and review this podcast. I would love that. And come and follow the podcast on Instagram at Honest Property Investment.
Thank you so much for listening to me this week. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.